Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you'll learn from the experiences of America's most innovative and successful farmers as they shorten your learning curve, increase your yield, ROI, and profit. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Sylvius Financial, the company that offers customized risk management solutions for your farming operation. Sylvius Financial integrates crop insurance with government programs and grain and cattle marketing to achieve profitability for your farm. And now, here is your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. It's me, Damian Mason, with a great crew here that's going to educate you. We're talking about capitalizing on high cotton. You know, in all of the episodes we've done here at Extreme Ag, we haven't talked a lot about cotton. We do have a resident cotton producer. His name is Matt Miles down in the uh, east central to southeast uh, Arkansas. And he is a 10,000 acre farm operator. He has several uh, of those acres committed to cotton. He's going to tell us about growing cotton. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how to protect yourself from the downside risk. Right now, cotton prices are high. I am told, I will admit, I am not the cotton expert. And we're almost Sylvia's Financial. Uh, Jared Clark, CEO of Sylvia's Financial, and Bryce Goose, who is an advisor with Sylvia's Financial. We're talking about how to not only produce the cotton, but more importantly, how to make money on the cotton because production's cool, but profit is king. So, anyway, thanks for being here. Matt Miles, tell me about your cotton first off this year. You're growing how many acres of cotton in 2022 looking forward? 2022, we're probably going to be at around 2,200 acres. Uh, 2021, I think we're at 1,800, if I remember correctly. Uh, we are increasing some, but, the, you know, there's a lot of people, that a lot of talk going on about everybody's going to jump into cotton uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it is a, a good price, which the grains are too. The problem with that anymore is the infrastructure for cotton in our area, and I'm not sure worldwide, you know, or United States wide how it is, we lost a lot of the infrastructure during the times when cotton was, you know, basically selling for loan price. And so a lot of the gyms around here shut down. Actually, last year, uh, there was a new gym built, which is almost unheard of. You know, people thought they were crazy. Uh, my son-in-law is, is in that gym, and it was probably one of the best things they've done. Uh, you know, cotton dipped down early this year, and, and you know, everybody was thinking, man, we might have should have stayed with the grains because they were high. But by the end of the year, you know, it was a dollar plus cotton. The, what I was my leading up to my point is, you know, anymore, it's a, it's a, and I'm talking new now, it's an $800,000 investment to buy a round bell picker. And that's basically what all the gyms in our areas went to. If you don't have a round bell, you know, they, they're, they're getting away from the square bell cotton. So you can't just run out there and swap crops unless you want to make an investment because the one, the one picker is going to pick, depending on where you live, we're in a hurricane area. So we, we put about 15 to 1800 acres on a cotton picker. So if you want to go past that, your only two options are custom picking or, or that big investment in. So what we're hearing here is uh, about infrastructure. And, you know, I've spoken and worked with some cotton producers. It's an interesting thing. There's areas in the world that can grow cotton that don't. And it's because of the infrastructure, because if you don't have a gin, meaning the place where you take, where Matt takes his cotton so it can get processed, which are generally owned cooperatively. Am I right about that, Matt? A lot of them, uh, you know, so a lot of them still are owned by big landowners, uh, you know, in, in, in the South County we farm in, there's there's a town there that's probably got 800 people in it. There's three cotton gins and they're all owned by three different big landowners. So it's still an old school type business. 
but uh, the two gins that are, are ginning the most up in the county I live in are both co-ops. Okay, and what you just said there is then those gins are essentially, it's a, it's a big infrastructure, it's a processing facility. They dictate the way you bring them cotton. And you said it has to be brought in in round uh, packages versus the big squares. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what it's going to. The, the more progressive gins have already said, you know, no more, no more square bales. All right. So that means that if you uh, if you're going to be a producer, you've got to produce it in pack in a package that they want. And so that means and you said that's not a small amount of money. It's a eight hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment that picks one crop. You know, we can take our combine and, and, and harvest multiple crops, almost everything. Uh, but that picker's going to it's going to harvest one one crop. So that that alone, not only is it twice as the amount of a combine, but it only picks the one it only harvests the one crop. Yeah. So, so to say that there's a lot of lay outlay on 2,200 acres, you've got the piece of equipment, the acres, the input costs, et cetera. But right now you're saying it's okay. You're going to expand a little bit from last year, but it sounds like about 10 to 15%. You're going to expand from last year's uh, committed acres because the price justifies it. Is that what I'm hearing? That's right. And a lot of the landowners in our area prior to say 2006, the majority of our really good land was farmed in cotton, continuous cotton. So, so a lot of the the older landowners that have the good ground, you know, they're they they're just itching for us to get back into cotton. So not and we're on share rent. So you know we let them kind of help make those decisions. So you know to appease the landowner and to you know essentially make money with cotton, it's it's a different beast. I, I wouldn't recommend uh, anyone going out there and trying it the first year without a lot of. Uh, a lot of advice from people that's done it before, you'll get yourself in serious trouble. All right. Speaking of advice, let's talk about the financial part of it because Sylvia's Financial seeks to integrate uh, the crop insurance with government programs within marketing of your actual farm product. And that is uh, their their value proposition is that they're saying, you know, there's lots of places that can sell crop insurance. There's uh, probably somebody, everybody with a cell phone is a, is a crop advisor, right? Uh, there's, all, there's all sorts of people out here saying they're going to give you advice. But Sylvia's Financial says, no, we're going to bundle this whole thing and we're going to bring together the elements of crop insurance, government programs, and the actual marketing of your product, of your product. Um, and Bryce has been working with you. So Bryce, give me some scoop here. Uh, you, you're helping Matt on, on uh, maintaining profitability. He's just giving you the parameters. 2,200 acres, he's got landlords to appease. He's got an $800,000 piece of equipment. Uh, he's got hurricanes. Basically, if I were him, I'd sell out and just go hang out at a condo in the panhandle of Florida and catch fish. That's what I would probably do. But anyway, that's not what, that's not what my man Matt's going to do. What are you doing to help Matt stay profitable? We are just loading all of that information, and I'm sure his wife, Sherry, appreciates us bugging her all the time to get that accurate information. But just starting there, getting that information in, to be able to paint him a picture and to be able to look at his risk reward. I mean, we went and we went side by side and looked at a cotton matrix versus a soybean matrix versus a corn to see what looked the most profitable and to start there. I mean, without that accurate on-farm data, that's where it all starts. What do you, uh, what did you come up with? Because we're talking about capitalizing on high cotton. He says he's going to increase his acres. So apparently what you came up with, it's making more money to do more cotton than more corn. Yeah, that was a conversation we kind of had too. He could plant more cotton, but like what he just said, to invest in another cotton picker, $800,000, we can only increase cotton by so much. 
So then we kind of spin off there and say, okay, can we in increase bean acres or should we leave them corn? So that was kind of a conversation that we had to have is yes, we can increase cotton, but by how much? And you came up with about 10 to 12% more, it sounds like. Well, and, yeah. and, and that was also dictated by, you know, we, I, I want to say this, you know, working with Bryce has probably been one of the best things that's happened to our operation. <clears throat> we don't, we don't participate in everything they're doing all the time, but they, like you said, they have a total package. And when, when we seen that the first time, you know, I don't, I think that's unique to anyone else in, 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 in the marketing game, but we're, what I'm saying on the cotton acres, we went as, as much as we could go by splitting a picker with my, some of my family members at farm also, but we're also staying in the rotation business. Staying in the rotation business, meaning you're not going to go continuous cotton. We're, we try to, every year we try that acre that we're on that year. If it's cotton, it's in something else. If it's in corn, it's in something else. You know, now, now urea fertilizer, fertilizer in general is, is kind of dictating that somewhat. But Lane and I have tried to take the stance of staying with our normal, what works. You know, we don't, we try our best not to look. I had a smart man tell me one time, don't look at the next year, look at the next 10. And so, you know, looking at the next 10, our best option is to stay with rotation. If we don't make as much money this year, as long as we don't lose, you know, that will come to us later. I mean, for instance, corn, even though it's going to be the highest crop to grow because of the nitrogen cost, it adds seven to 10 bushels an acre in soybean yield. So you've got to factor that in on the backside. You know, that's that's over $80 an acre any way you look at it that you'll pick up the following year. All right. So Matt Miles just talked a lot about numbers per acre, which is what the Sealy's financial people claim that they are there to help you do. Does he need your help? Because it sounds like he's just going to handle it with crop rotations. But you're saying, wait a minute, let's also take care of this year's crop. Jared, give me some background here. Yeah. And Matt, it, good to meet you. I haven't got to meet you yet. I know you've met yes, most of the rest of our bunch. So good to meet you. And thank you for bringing us uh, to Extreme Ag. Same here. Um, but, you know, one of the questions, um, you know, I'd love to ask you is um, I, I've kind of seen where some of your stuff is on insurance and you've engaged Bryce really heavily. Um, question I'm asking a lot of producers is, man, PLC through FSA Price loss coverage um, through FSA has been a pretty good program. Um, we've seen a lot of people happy with it. Um, it comes in and it adds you, I'm just going to guess, but about a 70 cent price floor is right around where you're getting. Um, but now that cotton has moved up and Dece cotton sitting around 91 cents today. Um, does it make sense to look past PLC and look more towards stacks? Um, I'd love to see what the county yields look like in your area, but with stacks, if we come out with about a 90 cent spring price, um, stacks could get us coverage more around 81 cents, you know, so almost 10 to 11 cents higher stacks might be a really good thing that could really help you manage some of this higher cotton price. Um, yeah. don't get me wrong. Absolutely love the PLC program, but we're 20 cents higher. Um, I think PLC provided you a great floor last year um, when we were sitting around 70 cents, 60 cents, man, you were right there with PLC just locking you in. But now that we're higher, do we lean towards stacks? That's a good question. A very good question. Bryce, that's something you and I probably need to look at, you know, for sure. 
because, mm-hmm. of, you know, normally the stacks is, don't come into play. Yeah, stacks hasn't come into play as much, but man, being subsidized around 80% um, and at the money put today, Bryce, is probably costing us what, eight to nine cents to go all the way out to a December option. Probably. And everything, even our options are more expensive. Um, so is there a way that we can use a subsidized insurance policy to help us get that protection in there to protect some of this higher cotton price? Hey, That's real a really quick. Good <clears throat> Since we just brought him on in, we're figuring out how to help him make more money, which is fantastic. That's what Silas Financial uh, is here to do, is help make more money. Stacks is an insurance policy. Uh, price loss coverage is a FSA policy. Again, we're talking about integrating all this stuff. What were the things that you just said right there, Jared, to the person that maybe doesn't is not as um, uh, intelligent about cotton or cotton programs? You just said stacks, and that's an insurance program. And what you just say, you could set him up so that, because the main thing is, you know, breaking even is great. Making money is what he's really in the game for because, you know, he's got stuff to pay for. Uh, he's got to go for, he's got to pay for fishing trips. Uh, Mr. Miles does. What can he do with this stacks thing that you're thinking is the way to move forward? Yeah. So uh, just a little bit of background, as you mentioned, stacks is a crop insurance and PLC is through FSA. Um, so price loss coverage. Um that just the rules of the game that USDA has come up with, if I'm in PLC, I cannot be in stacks and vice versa. So I kind of have to choose one or the other. The way PLC is set up is you're going to have approximately about a 70 cent floor or guarantee through FSA. Um, with insurance, um, we'll have to set the spring price um, but if the spring price comes out today around 90 cents and I have a 90% policy, that would get me to about 81 cents if the county yield just makes the county yield. I'm just assuming the county makes the county. Does right. it make more? Does it make less? So I have a revenue policy and I'm almost just fixing the yield, if you will, and saying, what does it provide for me price-wise? All right, so those numbers you just gave, does Matt Miles, do Matt, do you make money on the numbers he just gave you? Uh, depending on, I mean, we'll have to look at that, you know, as far as the stacks program. <clears throat> like I said, I'm not as familiar with, with it, uh, but depending on the cost of the insurance and like like what the cool thing is and what Silva's helped me understand is, is and, and Jerry brought that up a minute ago, what does a put cost? You know, what is a put cost or a call cost versus getting this protection from them? And that's something we look at. The tricky part, if I understand it right, and I'm not really versed in some of this, but is is the county's got to make the county yield or lower. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say you would want, I kind of call it a good trend line. Um, you know, as I look over the county yields over the last 10 years, um, I kind of hope that there's at least two years in there where just the county blew the county average out of the water. It was probably good for everybody. <laughs> but if the county is just constantly seven, eight, nine out of 10 years making more than the average, um, man, it's really hard to use that as an insurance product because you're always just making way more than the average. So yeah, county yield is important. We want the county to make, for the most part, at least what the county's making or less. Yeah. And with the trends of cotton with the new varieties and, the, and, and different ways of production, 
you know, it, it seems to be in my my specific area that we're we're beating the county yield, not just us, but the the, the cotton farmer, uh, pretty pretty good. You know, especially if you're doing some of the techniques like we've done through extreme ag and you know some of the, the things we're doing there. So that that's the part that that's the tricky part, Damon, as far as is is how that works. It's it's almost you know individual to each producer, but then you've almost got to hope that the county yield is 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 either even or lower, I think, to make it really work right. If I, but I don't understand it really well. Okay, no, so there's the, there's the big question because you might just end up being profitable the old-fashioned way, big yield, good prices, and you don't need any of this stuff. Bryce, what's your answer to that? Are you going to essentially go down and, and apologize to Matt for taking a bunch of his money for these insurance premiums they didn't even need? You know, he here he is. He's just a good farmer. He just produced a whole bunch of cotton, and then you're going to go ahead and say, well, I guess you know what? I just took a bunch of your money for premiums. Are you going to apologize, Bryce? Probably not. I'll probably feel a little guilty, but not too bad because he'll be smiling if he gets to sell 95 cent cotton and his yields are 1500 pounds. So, I mean, feel like it kind of evens out. Yes, they're a little bit upset and they look at it a little bit. Yes, I just paid a lot of that premium and I didn't use it. But on the other end, okay, we had a successful year selling high cotton and we got, had a nice yield. So I think it kind of outweighs. But then, like Jared says, go back to the 10 year history. How many years has, has this paid? And will it pay in the future is the big thing. I mean, and, and, and I agree, I agree hundred percent with Bryce because it's just like it's just like buying puts. I mean, you go spend a hundred thousand dollars on puts and you and and you never and they expire worthless because the prices went up. Right. You're a farmer's always dissatisfied with something. Okay. So he's gonna be aggravated he spent that hundred. What he's not realizing is he made three or four hundred over here. And it's all about risk protection, you know, protecting your risk, especially with what things cost today. Yeah. So essentially it's the old thing of, uh, as they always say, and farmers, I, I, I'm really glad. See, Matt's not like some of these farm guys. He, he bitches, but he knows that he's bitching. The other ones, they just take this normal course of conversation every day. They're complaining about something, but yeah. Uh, you know, I got a I got a really nice uh, insurance policy on my house and my house didn't blow down in those tornadoes. Thank goodness. I didn't run around complaining. Ah, boy, I didn't even capitalize on my insurance. I'm kind of happy that the house didn't blow down. So so are we really talking about this year is a year where you might be able to go naked? Could you go naked and not have any of this because you think that the insurance isn't going to even be necessary because the prices are going to be good and you're expecting a good uh, a, a good cotton yield? You're asking me that. I'm going to answer that back with you. Are you going to not have insurance on your house because you don't think it's going to burn down this year? Because you don't think the tornado is coming? No, right. that's exactly right. Which is why, which is how, which is how a smart business person should always look at insurance coverage. And that's exactly what you're saying here. You, it's nice that it might be a revenue source some years, but you prefer it not be a revenue source. It's just that you're going to make sure that you got it there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and their whole package together, and I know we're concentrating a lot on the insurance, but their whole package together is what's what's appealing to me because they're taking different angles to risk management and, and putting them in, in one circle and helping you with all of them. It's kind of a one-stop shop, and uh, that's important to farmers. What you know, That's one of the biggest things, and I think both of these guys will agree. You know, a farmer concentrates normally on farming. The majority of the farmers can, you know, concentrate on farming, the least thing we concentrate on is, is, is risk management and marketing. You know, we should be probably one of the first things we, you know, that should be the beginning step. So having a company like this to come in and say, Hey, 
you know, Bryce has made Lane and I turn around and look at a lot of things. And, and I will compliment Bryce on this. You know, Lane being younger and, and Bryce being younger, that, that's, that's been a really good relationship. Should be a long-lasting relationship. And, and Lane can, can react there better than if he was talking to me or you, I would say. So, so that's been a good little niche for, for our own personal business. And they stay on top of things. You know, uh, I, I'm not going to say that Bryce bugs me because he don't bug me. It's cool because probably two or three times a week, I'm getting a text, hey, this is what we need to do to protect your, your livelihood. You know, one particular thing, and I'm not going to bring up what it was. And I said, what about buying some of these? And he said, well, I know a guy lost his house doing that. He said, I, I wouldn't do that. So he probably kept me from losing my house. You know, <laughs> everything was said and done. Bryce, your response to that, that's pretty, con- hey, that's high praise. I've been working with the guy since June. He hasn't said one positive thing about me yet. So I'm just hoping <laughs> I still get there. No, I, I feel like it's been a great, great relationship for us. And especially with me and Lane, I feel like Lane's comfortable coming to me, asking some questions. I feel like that's the biggest thing is too, is what we work with is, Farmers are a little bit scared to come and ask questions if they don't understand futures and options and all of these put spreads and call spreads, all of this kind of technical terms. They're a little bit timid to come out and say, Bryce, I don't even know what in the world the put spread is. And that's kind of where we can kind of walk them through in our software, as Matt knows. It shows you exactly what it does to your profitability if we buy a put spread and, and corn goes down to 450. There's no kind of hidden secret and it kind of helps them feel more at ease what they're spending their money on and versus what they're going to could get out of it in return. What do you think when you look at, uh, in the cotton thing, where are mistakes made, uh, that you're trying to prevent people from doing? Cause there's a certain amount of, uh, education, but of course then you're like, Hey, as Matt said, ag people, you know what they do? They concentrate production, 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 one more pound, one more bushel, one more gallon. That's what they're all about. Uh, that's one of the mistakes I always think is that they don't kind of spend enough time on the business, but from the standpoint of specifically government programs, integrating with crop insurance, integrating with marketing of the product, what do you see in Bryce? I feel like it's getting that balance versus forward sales and still giving yourself enough upside. Like what we've seen this past year. I mean, I don't think really anyone's seen it coming a dollar plus cotton and some guys got a little bit too oversold versus okay, maybe we do do some cash sales, but then maybe we look at some put spreads so we're not committing those bushels. So it's just looking at it in different ways and not putting all of your eggs in one basket and kind of being open to do multiple strategies to kind of give yourself some upside still. Matt, and, and I just asked him what, where the mistakes are made. You've been around it your whole life and you're in a place that grows cotton. What are the cotton mistakes that you see? Uh, from a production side, I agree with Bryce 100% on the on the marketing side, and we probably got not not by his advice, by my own my own accord, we probably got a little bit oversold, you know, early because none of us seen this dollar happening. Uh, but if we chase that dollar, you know, I'm not chasing that dollar this year because it's you know it may or may not happen. I'm going to go to a profitable level, and I'm going to start selling my crop. Uh, from a production standpoint, you know, mainly especially this year with the inputs where they're at you've got to make sure that those inputs are doing something for your yield, that they're turning a positive ROI. Uh, you know, in the old days, we just threw stuff out there <clears throat> thinking if it don't work, that's fine, but maybe it will work. And today as a farmer, we've got to really analyze that. And that's one thing I like about Extreme Ag is we try to do that for you up front, uh, you know, provide results on what works and what don't work. 
Uh, we're going to have to really be stingy with our money. Uh, I bought Roundup, generic Roundup last year for $12 a gallon. And I priced it yesterday because we didn't, Rob and I got confused and we didn't order quite enough for the season for our burn down application. It's 47. So, <laughs> so uh, I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to tell me it doubled. That's four, eight by my math. And I'm just, I just from a rural community, uh, public school in Northern Indiana, but that's four times. That's, right. Uh, your corn and soybeans didn't go up four times, did they? No, sir, they didn't. But I was looking at this the other day, which, which you know, you can look at things. It's kind of like the Bible. You can read the Bible like you want to, and then you can justify whatever you want to, depending on how you look at it. <clears throat> but I was looking at, at what it was going to cost me an acre more to grow an acre of corn just in nitrogen fertilized. And it was like 180 bucks. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I didn't make 180 bucks an acre, you know, profit. So I went back and did it by the bushel at 220 bushels to the acre and it's 14 cents. So it sounds a lot better looking at it at 14 cents and it does at $180 an acre. So it depends on how you look at it. It don't sound as bad that way, I guess. And, and with these guys, they can help you protect some of that to where it may not be as bad as we're all thinking. It's going to be bad. It's not, it's not going to be bad. It's going to be just part of what farming is. We made, we made money last year. Yeah. You know, we're not going to make a lot of money this year, but if we made money every year, I wouldn't have never gotten land to rent when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, Jared, you've been a little bit quiet over here. We said we we're going to cover cotton and we mostly have, obviously, uh, now we're talking about inputs, which is going to be another episode that we're going to do. And I'm really excited about that because you have some programs at Sylvia's Financial that you think can make sure that when you look at your inputs, so we're going to cover that in a future episode. Back to cotton though. Uh, is there anything that, you know, the Matt and Bryce working pretty well together here in Lane and, and making this all work. And you've seen this before. You're from Texas. Uh, high cotton, low cotton, dollar cotton. You know, Matt says, I didn't expect to see dollar cotton. So I didn't, you know, I left some money on the table. But again, that's one of the things farmers always, they remember the money left on the table. But you know what? You also live to find their day and you've locked in a profit. You can't go broke, you know, making a profit. What do what you got the contribution there from a, a cotton observation of a Texan that you've been around your whole life. Yeah. Uh, well, and I might pick on Matt and Bryce for just a second. Um, I think it'll lend in well is we, we judge last year pretty harsh, if you will. Man, we sold a little bit much too early, um, but I really believe in knowing both of y'all. Um, if you look at this objectively, y'all made very objective cash sales on the way up. Um, very smart, profit-based decisions on the way up. Um, and so I think uh, just, Damien, I was just thinking, what would I learn? What lesson would I throw out? Um, judge last year objectively. What did we do last year? Now let's apply that this year. Are we going to make the same decision? Maybe, maybe not. I'm already saying, hey, let's look at stacks. Um, but I would say, um, just use objective decisions. What are we going to do and why are we going to do it? Um, man, I don't think I'm going to do it just because I have a dollar cotton. What is it going to provide to me? Well, cash sales provide me a locked in price. They provide profitability. Uh, and so that's really where I come back to is high prices lead to high emotions. And let's pull this emotion out of it and get back to just making objective decisions. We, we need to tell the listener that you're down there working with these good people at Miles Farms with 2,200 acres of cotton, and there's not an acre of cotton on the farm that the Goose family farms in LaPorte County, <laughs> Indiana, never has been, 
You're up there. You you know, it's like you're like the thousand mile expert is what you are. Yeah, I got to spend a little bit of time with Jared and Dumas, but not not long enough as what he had experience with cotton. But I mean, it's all of it, it. It all boils down to profitability and knowing your input costs and knowing your ROI and just try to get to, to the best place that we can for the farm. Yeah, you don't need you don't need to be a cotton producer to look at the numbers. And that's where you're the outside perspective. It's easier for you not to get emotional, Bryce. It's not your money. It's Matt's, right? Uh, last thoughts, Matt, anything else on the way out the door here where we're talking about cotton heading into 2022? Uh, just just like I said, just pay attention to what you know, what you're doing from the production side and the risk management side, because it could just easily go back to 70 or 80 cents. Uh you know, with, with the COVID and all the different weird supply issues and everybody blaming the supply issues on something else, it's just another excuse to raise prices. And, uh, you know, we're just getting hit polypipe, lay flat polypipe. You know, everything we're looking at is 20 to 400 times more than it was. And it, yeah, it's, right. it's just discouraging right now. But if you can make a profit, you can stay in there and be there for the next year. And, and you look at, you think break even for cotton for you for 2022 is going to be, what's the number? Oh, I really hadn't looked at that hundred uh, percent. Bryce, do you have that? I mean, we're sitting in a good place where we're at right now at 90 cent cotton. I think if we start slipping, like what Jared said with that PLC level, that 70 cent cotton, that puts us in a pretty hairy spot. But I mean, looking at 80 cent floor would probably put us in a good spot at least to be able to be break even at least. But yeah. Depends on the yield too. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to pick a yield out there, and 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 I and I know in in Texas it's even worse. But you know, there's so many extremes from your dry land, you know, making a bale to their to their good irrigated ground, and the, whether they have making full bales. So you know that that that's kind of an individual farmer thing as to what your yield is going to be, and then that's what your price has got to be. Higher the yield it is, the less your price is probably going to have to be. And except for you're going to use more inputs. And they're, and they're expensive, as you already pointed out, which is an episode we're going to cover in the future. His name is Matt Miles of Miles Farms, one of the founding members of Extreme Ag. He's also my favorite member. Don't tell the other guys that, but he's my favorite member of Extreme Ag. Uh, my name is Damian Mason, bringing you Cutting the Curve from Extreme Ag. And Sylvia's Financial is uh, who brought us Bryce Goose and uh, uh, Jared Clark. They can be found at sylviasfinancial.com. You also have social media presence. Bryce, tell me about that. Yeah, we have a Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and we recently added an, an Instagram, but we're mainly focused on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn currently. And they've got good information out there about how your farm can, again, integrate the three big revenue sources, government programs, crop insurance, and then the actual marketing of your commodity, which is what everybody thinks about. As Matt said, they think about producing the commodity. Remember, there's a lot of other elements to the revenue picture that your farming operation needs to look at to remain profitable. So you can pass this generationally on and be here to live and fight and farm for another day or year or decade or century. Sylviusfinancial.com, Sylvia's Financial on all social medias. And if you want to find any more from Matt Miles, you can become a paying member of Extreme Ag. You know, for a little bit of money per year, you get direct access, you get exclusive content, you get to pick up the phone and call Matt if you should need him. So you can go to extremeag.farm if you have interest in doing that. Until next time, thanks for being here, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. you Thank you. Thanks for being here. Until next time, it's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this edition of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, brought to you by Sylvius Financial. 
Sylvia's advisors show business-minded farmers how to integrate government programs with crop insurance, as well as crop and cattle marketing to achieve positive financial outcomes. Learn more at sylviasfinancial.com.